0: You know, I got to tell you, I, I enjoyed last Sunday talking about the other half of the rainbow. I enjoyed preaching and sharing with you about when the storms of life will be over. But as long as there's breath, there's life. And as long as we're living in this world We have storms that we have to contend with. And today, with the help of the Lord, I want to go to an Old Testament prophet by the name of Jonah. And I want to read from chapter 1. And today I want to talk about storms of our own making. Jonah chapter 1, and I'm going to read several verses beginning at verse 4. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid, and cried every man unto his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. If so be that God will think upon us, that we perish not. And they said every one to his fellow, Come and let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us? What is thine occupation? And whence comest thou? What is thy country? And what of what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which has made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid, and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me up, cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore, they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Would you stretch your hand this direction and pray God's blessing and anointing over the ministry of His Word this day. Father, I come before you today keenly aware that I've got to have your touch. I pray every distraction would be removed from us right now. That we would focus upon the Word of God and what the Spirit would want to say to every one of us. Lord, I pray that you would teach us something maybe we've never known. God, bring some conviction and reality to our situations and circumstances. May you be glorified as a result of hearing, of these folks hearing the Word of God. May we do the Word of God. James tells us don't be just hearers of the Word but be doers of the word. And I pray that that would be the case today as we look to you through your holy scripture. In Jesus' name, and the church said, amen. I've tried to figure out storms, not natural storms. I'm not even sure meteorologists know how to understand the weather, and it's their field. But I've tried to figure out spiritual storms associated with this life. We all have them, and when you think your storms are many, and they're varied, and they're intense, and they're unmanageable, someone inevitably comes along that seems to have it worse than you do. The words of Jesus ring loud and clear in our hearing today. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 45, it says, For he makes his son, S-U-N, to rise on the evil and on the good. And he also sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Both believers and unbelievers experience storms in this life. Job asked the question, he said, Shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive a evil or bad? In another place, Job stated these words and said, The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. There are two realities that you need to embrace uh, this morning. Number one, storms will happen in this life and in this world simply because it is a sin-cursed, sin-filled world. The very atmosphere that is lush with green grass and and beautiful skies and painted colors from the great Creator is still an atmosphere and a world that is full of sin. The carnality in man still reeks with unrighteousness and with that comes storms and heartaches associated with living in an imperfect world with imperfect flesh. Even so much so that the earth itself, the literal physical earth groans for redemption and deliverance from this sinful world. So you need to understand that living in this world on planet earth because of the fall of man is going to bring some storms, some adversity into your life. The second thing you need to understand is that storms also happen because of the providence of God. There are times that to test our faith and our dependence upon the Lord he will lift the protective boundaries and he will allow difficulties to come our way those difficulties will drive us to our knees and they will cause us to walk hopefully with enduring faith and trust in him that he has it all under control because people around us are watching to see how we endure the storms of life I'll tell you, as I've said before, I would say again over and over, the most uh, faith-filled people to me are people that I watch from a distance who trust in God even when their lives are filled with adversity. And when I need prayer, those are the people that I look up. It's not the ones that were granted a miracle yesterday and seem to be getting their answers uh, right and left all the time. Oh, no, that's not the ones I go after. I go after the ones that that, that go through one trial after another and and sail through one storm after another. And their determination is they're going to keep their eyes upon Jesus. And and let me tell you, we've got to have enduring faith. This is a trouble-filled world. We have to have enduring faith when times come along that God says, I'm going to test their trust and their dependence upon me. And so we live in a sin-filled world that brings storms. We sometimes because God loves us and wants us to grow in our faith he will allow some storms into our lives as well but I want you to hear and for the purpose of this morning I want you to get this truth into your heart and into your spirit there are some storms that we create ourselves hello are y'all out there now, I know we in church don't like to hear this, and a lot of churches, you, you won't hear this. We, we don't want to offend, but the scripture is clear that we create storms of our own making that God had nothing to do with, that the world had nothing to do with, and, 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 and so I, I want to kind of walk through this story from a little different angle. If you've been in Sunday school children's church all of your life, you've, you've known the story of Jonah, and, and we've learned this growing up. But I want to take a different angle this morning. I want to talk not about Jonah uh, specifically in his personality. I want to talk about the men on the boat with Jonah. You see, Jonah has been called to Nineveh. He's been called to go preach there. But in his rebellion and disobedience, he has chosen to catch a, a ship and sail to Tarsus. And the scripture said that when he did that, he did it going away from the presence of the Lord. In other words, he was downright disobedient. He was sinning against Jehovah God. And the scripture says that God sent out a great wind into the sea. And there was a great storm so much that the ship was almost broken into. Now these men that had given him a ride on their ship, these were mariners. These were fishermen. And, and they they began to panic. They had maybe had never been in a storm like this before. And the scripture says that they began to cry out to their their idols, to their gods. They began to throw and lighten lighten the ship and throw things off the ship. They began to uh, try to do whatever they could to try to survive this storm. They they cast lots. They, they decided some kind of a mystical practice to cast lots. And they discovered in that that Jonah was the source of their problem. And he was the cause of their storm. Now, I want you to know that even further than that, Jonah looked at them and told them, they asked him, who are you? He said, well, I'm, I'm a Hebrew. I'm a, a follower of God. I, I fear the Lord God Almighty. And, and he told them that I am your problem. If you will cast me into the sea, the sea will become calm and the wind will cease. Now, what I want you to notice is that they, they, they did not do that initially. They just decided they would row harder. They knew what the problem was. They knew who the problem was, but they chose to continue miserably to see if there was another solution to the storm that they found themselves in. And after realizing they could not outlast the storm and it seemed like all hope was going to be lost, they said, well, we've cast lots. Jonah was the reason. Jonah himself has told us he is the reason for this storm because of his rebellion and not doing what God called him to do and leaving the presence of the Lord and so finally they they said God have mercy on us and they tossed Jonah overboard and the sea was immediately calm and peace had arrived for the sailors I, I want you to get this sometimes you have to say that is enough. Sometimes you have to say once and for all. Sometimes you just have to do the right thing. Sometimes you have to throw Jonah from the boat. Oh, somebody help me here this morning. Desperate times, once and for all moments, sometimes it calls for some radical desperate measures to take place. you got to realize things are going down fast. They're taking on water. The ship is about to go under. Wives are not going to see their husbands. Children are about to lose their daddies. Mamas are about to lose their, their sons. Something has to be done. They tried to outlast and outrun and outrow the storm. And I've come by to just remind us today and ask the question, how often do we do the same thing? We, in our rebellion, we try to handle the tempest on our own. We negotiate with God and we rationalize within ourselves. We say we can do this and we row harder to the point of exhaustion and we row harder to the point of discouragement and hopelessness until we want to throw in the towel and turn the blame upon God and ask God why did you allow this well the Holy Ghost sent this preacher by this morning to say that sometimes it's not God that allowed it sometimes it's not living in a sin filled world sometimes we're simply reaping what we have sown with every action there's a reaction with every choice that is made, there is going to be a consequence. Oh, sometimes we just got to get to a place that we say we're tired of rowing, we're exhausted, we're wore out, we realize we've made a wrong choice, it's time to say once and for all we're going to throw Jonah out of the boat. You have to ask yourself the question, if biblical principles are true, Then with every seed time, there's going to be a harvest. You're going, every young person in this room, listen to what this preacher says this morning. Every choice you make is throwing out seed. Somebody ought to say amen. Every decision you make, every relationship that you're connected with, Every thought that runs through your mind, every thought that leads to an action... It is a there's seed that's put in your hand. And every time you do something, every time a decision you make, you are planting seed. You're throwing seed out there. And I want you to hear this morning. You can say all you want, but scriptural principle cannot be denied. It's eternal principle. With every seed time, there will be a harvest. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Well, bless God, I got away with something six months ago and nothing ever bad happened to me. Well, let me tell you something. There's always a record being kept. And even things that we put under the blood, we may receive and will receive forgiveness when we do it with a godly, sorrow-filled heart. But I'm here to preach today so that somebody hears it loud and clear that you cannot make destructive decisions and then not reap the harvest as a result of your choices. Sometimes you have to ask yourself the question. Was this storm of my own making? And to follow up, am I willing to throw Jonah from the boat? (laughs) Now let me move to the second half of this message and I'll come back. Because I tell you, something radical took place. And it's kind of couched into the last verse that we read this morning. But I want you to look at these These mariners' response after Jonah was gone and the sea was calm. The first thing I want you to know is that they feared the Lord exceedingly. They had been worried about the storm. They had been nervous about the storm. But when they threw Jonah from the boat, the Bible says they feared the Lord exceedingly. I just want to stop here and say that we need God to help us get a reverential fear for him once again. I'm telling you, we have lost a fear of God. I'm not talking about a cowering fear where we're, we're always intimidated when we're in his presence. That's not the fear I'm talking about. But I am saying we serve a high and holy God who deserves reverence. The things of God deserve reverence. The heart of God deserves reverence. The preaching of God's word deserves reverence. We have to ask ourselves the question, do we have a reverential fear of God? I told you something last like Last week, I said in Revelation 4, when we were talking about the other half of the rainbow, I said, you know, out of all that is present in Revelation 4, it is the rainbow of all the symbols that are present, of all the activity that is present. I said, it is the rainbow, the symbol of mercy that tells us that we are welcome there. And I I love that. And that really got a hold of my spirit. But knowing that, let us not forget that in that same chapter, that throne room is a place of reverence. It is a place of majesty. It is still a throne that Jehovah God sits upon. It's a throne that has lightnings and thunderings coming out of it. It's a throne where they cry around, fly around saying holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. It is a It is a place of reverence where 24 elders fall off of their places of authority and they pay homage to the great I am. I'm telling you these men realized that the creator had just spent their life, and they reverenced him exceedingly. Oh, God, help us to understand. Let me just stop here and tell you something today. God is not your buddy, your pal. He's not the big kahuna or the man upstairs. He's not the big guy. The Bible says the Lord, he is God, and besides him, there is none else. God helped the believers to get back to a place of reverential fear for the Lord God Almighty. The, Lord. the big guy. I'll talk to the big guy. Rebuke him in the name of Jesus. He's not the big guy, he's your creator, he's your sustainer, he's your savior, he's your Lord, he's your master. Help us. The sun will refuse to shine at his word. Stars fall from their socket at his word. Oceans stay within their boundaries at his word. There's not a dam big enough, engineered enough, that could keep the waters away if God says, I'm removing the boundaries. Mountains split at his command. Darkness becomes light at his simple word. (laughs) They started out when the storm was stressful. And they cried out unto their idols and their gods. But when they threw Jonah from the boat, they realized that it was Jehovah God who had just saved their lives and blessed them with peace. Second thing I want you to know is when they threw Jonah from the boat, then they offered a sacrifice unto the Lord I don't know I don't know how it happened scripture doesn't bear it out but with all the ship being unloaded somehow they found an animal on board that they could offer as sacrifice and worship unto the Lord I thought about that this week and I said God help us worship you again Help us worship you again. Psalms 95 and 6 says, Come and let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. In Him we live and we move And we have our in Psalms 96.9, Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness, fear before him all the earth. Jesus said, Thou shalt worship the Lord God, and him only shalt thou serve. It's something I'm constantly striving for. For when you worship God, you acknowledge the worth of who he is in your life. I came to a realization I never thought of, because i got to be honest with you. I, I try to keep those, those tenets of focus that have to do with thanksgiving and praise and worship. I try to keep them separate and distinct in my life and my personal walk with the Lord. And I'll be, I'll be honest with you. Thanksgiving is easy for me. Praise is not difficult for me. but Sometimes worship is a challenge. And, and and it hit me. Why? Why is it? I've been wondering for years why it is a struggle for me to worship, but I can thank him and I can praise him. See, Thanksgiving has to do with those daily provisions that he gives to you, and you realize it all comes from him. Praise has to do with this reality. He performed a mighty miracle, and you're praising him for his greatness. Because he answered a prayer, and you knew it was God. And and boy, I tell you what, if you take inventory of that, you don't have no problem praising the Lord. But worship has to do with him, his character, his personality. And, And this came, this was my realization, my revelation, if you will. And it just happened this week, and I've been searching for years, wanting to know why I struggled so much with worship and had no problem with thanksgiving and praise. And I believe the Holy Spirit gave me my answer this week. And it's this truth. With thanksgiving, it's tangible. With praise, it's tangible. You can reference it. You can reference the food that he put on your table last week and so you can thank him for it. You can praise him and you can reference the financial miracle that he brought your way in the mail that was unexpected. You can put your hands on the check. You can put your hands on the the deposit and realize that it did not come from your own hand but it came as a miracle from God. But here's the problem. The problem is, is worship has to do with a God who is invisible. I've not heard his audible voice to this moment. I I sense him, but I've not seen him with my own eyes. But yet the Father says, I seek after those who will worship me and worship me in spirit and worship me in truth and realize that I am the omnipotent one, omniscient one, omnipresent one. I am all powerful. I am all knowing. I am everywhere at one time. The Lord, he is God. And besides him, there is none else. God Help us to worship Him. Help us to worship Him. It's intangible because we can't sense Him with our physical senses. And yet, we'll come to such a great place in our walk with Him if we will just... Acknowledge the worth of who he is. They feared the Lord. They offered sacrifice unto the Lord. And then the scripture says they made vows unto the Lord. They made vows. (laughs) He had granted them peace, safety, and a future. Ain't that what he's done for every child of God here? He's granted you peace. He's He's granted you safety. He's granted you a future. You didn't have a future. You were spinning around in multiple different directions. Didn't know whether you were going forward or backward, up or down. You just know that your life was a mess and chaotic. So they made vows. So if you're a Christian and you profess Jesus as Savior and Lord... Newsflash, you are a person of vow, pledge, commitment. Y'all still there? You vow to serve the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You vow to daily worship and pray to Jesus and have a relationship with the Lord. You vowed. You started accepting, when you accepted Christ, you made a vow that you would daily commune with Him. Y'all get inquired on me. You vowed to hear from Him through His Word every day of your life. You vowed to make the attendance of His house a top priority. And even so much more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. I don't know how it is that somebody can tell me that they're part of such and such a church and they ain't darkened the doorway of the church in six months. You made a vow. Every Sunday morning, you should rise up, slap those teenagers upside the head, and say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Growl at them a little bit if you have to. You vowed to give him the first tenth of your income, your tithe unto the Lord. You vowed to do ministry for the sake of his great name. You vowed to be a living sacrifice and to be a drink offering poured out for him. It's time. It's high time. It's past time to get things back in order in the household eh? back in order in your in your marriage back in order in your in your family back in order in your own spiritual life why because you've made a vows unto the lord not to me your vows are unto him he granted them peace he granted them safety he gave them a future they were going home to mama they were going to go see their babies again they reverenced him they worshiped him And when they got off the boat, they had made vows of commitment unto Jehovah God. I tell you, I'm preaching better than y'all are shouting this morning. But let me get to the meat of the matter. And this is for everyone. You can reverence the Lord, and you should. You can worship the Lord, and you must. You can fulfill your vows to the Lord, and it is your mandate. But you still have to throw Jonah out of the boat. You still have to chuck Jonah. There's some people in this room today, you're upset with God for not calming the storm, for not answering your prayer. You thought it was your trial of faith, and it was never that. You thought it was because you lived in a sin-filled world. And it was never that. The bottom line is Jonah is still sailing in the boat with you. You need to chuck Jonah and invite Jesus. You need to get rid of Jonah. and bring. There's people in this room, and I felt a check in my spirit this morning. You're on the verge of making a decision. That is very much a Jonah decision, and you better think twice about it. I'm telling you, once you let Jonah start sailing the ship with you, the ramifications of it are going to be more far-reaching than you can imagine or fathom. Well, I, I, I want God to work. I want God to move. I'm waiting. I've been waiting and waiting and waiting. Sometimes instead of letting Jesus direct and guide, we'll let Jonah become our passenger. Hebrews 12 says it like this, and I'm getting ready to close. Lay aside every sin and every weight that does so easily beset you. (laughs) Run this race with patience. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Jonah's not your answer. You don't understand what I'm going through. No, I don't. I really don't. I wish, sometimes I wish, but, you know, it's your journey. I have my journey. You have your journey. Or are you in a storm today? Did God allow it? Is the storm you're in? Is it just part of life? It's, it's reasonable that either one of those could be the case. But is there a Jonah in your boat? Is there a Jonah habit or a Jonah relationship? or a secret sin Jonah, or an idolatry Jonah, or a greed Jonah. By them being willing to throw Jonah out of the boat, they were able to say peace, be still to their own storm. That's a new one for you, isn't it? Because all we think of when we hear the words peace be still is Jesus saying that when he got on the stormy sea with the disciples. He said peace be still. But in this particular situation, the only way peace was coming was conditional upon them getting rid of that that was causing turmoil. Throw Jonah from the boat. Every head bowed and every eye closed. He says if I won't go this far with him, that I don't love him. Throw Jonah from the boat. I I struggle with this secret addiction and enslavement in my life. You can row harder and harder, and you will not outlast the storm because it's a storm of your own making. The only thing you can do is say, you know what? It's time, high time, past time, once and for all. It's time to get Jonah out of my boat. It's time to get Jesus out. As the captain of my boat. Is it possible today that you have the power and the authority to say peace be still to your own storm? (laughs) It's a novel thought. Maybe there's a need to just ask God. God, this is a terrible storm I'm in. While I look forward to the day when all storms will be over, God, I'm living in the now. I'm living in the present. And I just really feel like I need to ask you Is this a storm of my own making? Is there something that I've done? Is there a sin that I've committed? If there, is, there, is there a wrong choice? Is there a Jonah in my boat? Mm. The young people in this room. To young adults in this room got a Jonah in your boat you know it the Holy Spirit knows it you realize that the repercussions are starting the challenge is going to get greater it's time to kick Jonah out of the boat and put that thing under the blood It may require some decisions and choices once you leave this service. I'm going to say this with the boldness and the authority of the Word of God. If you're a believer and they are an unbeliever, you cannot save them. And they will be a Jonah... In your boat. For the scripture is abundantly clear be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has darkness with light? Somebody needs to pray. Somebody needs to pray. Maybe you can't identify the why. Maybe you just need to ask God, is this a storm of my own making? A resolve. A once and for all. (laughs) Who's going to be the first bold soul that with no one looking around, you'll raise your hand and you'll say, Preacher, there's a Jonah in my boat. There's a Jonah in my boat. I've cracked the door of compromise. There's a Jonah that's sailing with me. I've got some decisions I need to make. Would you just lift your hand and put it right back down? God bless that hand. God bless that hand. Come on. Come on. Be honest. Is there a Jonah in your boat? spinning your wheels, can't seem to get any traction. What have I done? It could very well be it's just God allowing a storm. It could very well be that it's just part of living in a sin-filled world, but it also could be that Jonah's sailing with you. And so you're not reverencing the Lord, and you're not fulfilling your vows, and you're not worshiping God Jehovah. You're not giving him everything. But the blood of God's own son cleanses us from all sins. Blood of God's own son will remove the weights that beset us. Not everything is a sin. It could just be a weight. It could be a distraction. This altar's open for anyone that would like to come and pray. If you raised your hand, if you didn't. I want you to stand with me all over this house. It's just going to be music, but I, I want you to do this with me. I want you to close your eyes. and out of the sincerity of your own heart. If you feel like raising your hands, that's fine. If you don't, that's fine. But would you just ask the Lord right now? God, is there a Jonah sailing in the boat with me? Would you do that right now? Would you just begin to pray? God, search my heart. Is there a Jonah in my life, Lord? Is there something, Lord, that needs to be exposed in your presence? manifested before you is there an attitude is there an arrogance a pride is there a secret sin that we think nobody knows about but God you know all about it this morning this morning it's come to the forefront in my mind and in my heart is that relationship boy I love the popularity I'm getting right now I love the the exposure I'm getting right now but is that does that is that that mean I've sacrificed Jesus leading my boat and I've allowed some Jonahs in my boat. Mm. Thank you Holy Spirit. Look at me for a moment before Pastor Jeremy comes to dismiss us in prayer. When I read the story of Jonah, one of the saddest phrases, I also read about the life of Cain. It says, Jonah fled from the presence of the Lord. In the book of Genesis, it says, Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. God, may I never, never leave your presence. May I never forsake you. May I never abandon you. Keep convicting me. Somebody ought to praise God for conviction right now. Good old fashioned Holy Ghost conviction. It's still real and it's still important in the life of a believer. Remain standing. Pastor Jeremy, would you come?
1: quick before we pray there is something that we a little, a little illustration that we do with our students and if i had my wallet with me i would show you my ticket but usually once a year we we talk about jonah and we give every every student a ticket that says that admit one and we want them to understand We want you to understand this morning that Jonah made a choice. He was standing at the dock. God's will was this boat. Away from God was this boat. And he purchased a ticket. And that ticket was good for one trip in whichever direction he wanted to go. So as we pray this morning, as you you go home and as you're with your families, the presence of God is all surrounding. God is as strong in this building as He is in the four walls of your bedrooms, as He is in the, the cabins of your vehicles. But when we pray, I want you to think about that. Because you've been placed on the dock by the Word of God and by our Shepherd this morning. And you've been asked to make a choice. You choose the boat and you choose the direction that God would have you go, or you make a choice to go the other way. Let's bow. Mighty Father, Lord, I thank you that you love us enough to send your messenger to tell us the truth. God, I thank you that you love us enough to allow us to make the choice, God. To allow us to hear you and move in the direction that you would have us move. Lord, I pray that you will be with us all that you will bless this congregation, Lord, that you will will bless us with your favor. But Lord, as we leave this place, I pray for courage over your people. I pray for courage to to make the hard decisions. I pray for courage to, to, to remove the things that are hard to remove. Father, give us courage that we never knew we had, that we may serve you, like we never knew we could. In your name, Jesus, we pray and we commit these things. Amen.